I got a billion dollar mindset, steady as a flow, navigating all my time spent, letting niggas know. Billion dollar, billion dollar. Hey yo, what is going on? Welcome to the show, Into the Mind. I'm your host, Marlon Johnson, and I'm a parkour athlete turned real estate investor. I spent the last eight years of my life studying mindset of elite performers and applying those lessons to my own life. In my pursuit for success, I've sought out wisdom from mentors who are doing exactly what I want to do in all areas of life. So I've asked that they share their wins and losses with me, and in my search for those answers, this podcast was born. I wanted to share that valuable advice that I was receiving from successful entrepreneurs investors and world-class athletes so thank you all for tuning in this show is for free and my guests do give their precious time to be here so i do ask for something in exchange to show our thanks i ask that the price of admission be you share this if you get any value you go onto your social media you share it with your friends you share it with your family you share it with your co-workers you share it with people in the streets look my goal is to influence 1 million people to invest in themselves and to unlock their own potential and i can't do that alone hi and welcome back to another episode of into the mind i'm your host marlon johnson and today my guest is blanca cobb i'm pretty excited to have blanca on the show because She's a TV personality and body language expert. She's been featured on The Today Show, Dr. Oz, CNN, CBS, NBC, ABC, The Steve Harvey Show, and many more. Mm -hmm. From a very young age, Blanca has been watching people and observing them to get a sense of who is friendly, trustworthy, and approachable. She learned early on that people try to hide what they feel, but if you pay close attention to the way they move their bodies in real situations, they can't actually hide their feelings. They unwillingly reveal who they are, and this is the power of body language. She believes silent messages can be more credible than spoken words. If you know what to look for and how to respond to body language, then you could connect with anyone. Blanca teaches this skill both in business and in life, and she views it as a ticket to happiness, success, and peace. Blanca's goal is to teach individuals how to create the relationships that get them what they want, and she believes it all starts with the body language connection. Since I work heavily in sales and communication, this topic of body language absolutely fascinates me, and I'm excited today to have you on the show. So, Blanca, welcome. Thank you so much. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here, so thank you for having me as your guest. Yeah, no, I'm super grateful. We met through Clubhouse, and I just listened to you speak, and it was funny. As you were kind of sharing, so many of us connected afterwards, and we were like, wow, she's awesome. Like, we need to learn from her some more. So I'm grateful that you came on today. So I do want to start by asking, you know, at what point did you begin to realize that you had this skill to read body language? Because it's not something we hear a lot of people talk about. That's a really good point you, you, you bring up. I started noticing when I was an adult and I was reflecting back on my life as a little girl. So I learned to read body language, not really by choice, but by life circumstance because it was, it was abused. And at the time when I was little, I was trying to figure out who I could trust and who I couldn't trust. And I would watch body movements or even paying attention, pay attention to the changes in tones of voice, even down to like footsteps down the hall, whether it was a more happy, you know, like spring in your step versus a very serious, stern <laughs> pounding of footsteps down the hall. I mean, that was all indicative of whether what was going to be happening. So again, I had no idea what I was doing until I was an adult. I mean, when you're in that mindset, particularly as a, a, little, a little kid, it really is about survival. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was doing. And then when I 
grew up and I knew I wanted to go in a helping profession and I got a master's in psychology and then I just, I blended the two as well as I got some training in body language with some heavy hitters in the field. Heavy hitters meaning very respectable um, body language experts and detecting deception experts. Oh, wow. Yeah, you know, because it's really cool that you say that as far as even listening to the footsteps, right? Mm -hmm. Because I had an example in my home where like, I love my father to death. So like what I'm about to say, this is not me knocking him, but he would walk up the stairs and it was just a very heavy, heavy footstep every single time. And I would just look at him like, dad, I think you're stressed out, man. Like I, I truly do because no one else I know walks up the stairs so heavily. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he didn't think much of it. And then it made me start to think maybe I'm just overanalyzing. <sighs> but later on, as an adult, you look back and you reflect and you see that there is something to it. You know, so even, you know, reading, like you said, working with individuals about deception, right? So mm -hmm. what are some hints, or I guess, clues that you see with people that essentially start to let you know when someone's being truthful or when somebody is bending the truth? That is a great question and one I answer a lot. I want to start off by saying there isn't a Pinocchio effect. What that means is someone's nose doesn't grow like Disney's little Pinocchio when they lie. So different people have different tolerances of telling lies. It depends if they have skin in the game or not. Is it a high stake situation that if they get busted lying, it's going to cause a lot of problems and severe consequences for them versus like they, it doesn't matter if they lie or not. So I'll give you an example of who cares if I'm lying. You know, when you ask somebody, Hey, how's it going? They're like, fine. Mm. They're like, well, wait, what? They're saying the right words. They're saying fine, but their affect is flat. They're not even looking at you and you know, something's off. They have no skin in the game, who cares? And you're like, all right, they don't wanna talk about it, so you let it go. So it depends on someone's tolerance for lying, if it bothers them or not, what they're lying about. Um, the best way to figure out if somebody's lying are, are twofold. One is you have to really assess someone's baseline behavior. So what that means is how do they typically present themselves? How do they typically talk? Are they fast talkers, slow talkers? Do they have high energy, low energy? Do they use their hands to talk or don't they? When you ask them a question that requires them to think, what do they do? Do they look at you? Do they furrow their brows? Do they look up? Do they look away? Do they look down? So you want to know how they typically behave. And the reason that is so important is because when there's a change in their baseline behavior, then it's your aha moment. Because you're like, ah, something's off for this person, but here's the catch. You cannot be a mind reader and assume you know what it is. It could be a lot of different things. For example, whatever the topic is or the question is, it might trigger a memory for them. It could be a, an article that they read, a story they saw online. It could, it could remind them of a situation of a friend or something that they heard. It could be relevant to them or somebody that they know. So that's why you can't automatically decide you know what's causing that behavior change. And that's where questions come in. This is where you have to ask non-threatening questions that are going to get at the truth to figure out if it's something, a, a true change that you saw or an artificial change. Because one thing you have to realize, we're not robots. So what that means is we're not gonna hold a certain position, talk in a certain voice for the whole time we're talking. We're human, which means we're gonna move around, we're gonna get distracted and that's okay. So you really have to become more of a detective. Yeah, I, wow, that's really cool. I like that because essentially you're, you're right. Like you may say something and it could trigger them. And you're like, aha, something just happened. I, I saw you change, but exactly. we can't say, well, you changed because you're lying about this. Maybe that, like you said, that word triggered them to think about their third grade 
you know, mm-hmm. keep the party. And they're just Absolutely. like, oh yeah, remember that thing? I... So we have no clue what's happening there, but I like that you follow it up with intelligent questions to essentially mm-hmm. guide and to continue seeing. So when you're assessing someone's baseline, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's really important. We want to see how they're fluctuating from baseline. Mm-hmm. Typically, how long or what is it that you're doing to assess the baseline? Like, how do you know when you've captured baseline? Oh, that's a fantastic question. You can generally take five to 10 minutes to figure out somebody's baseline behavior. So this is like a normal conversation. This is what you would consider a small talk or chit chat where you just have a conversation and you ask questions that that isn't going to put someone on edge. That isn't going to make them feel threatened. You know, tell me about your last vacation or what do you like about this restaurant? Or I heard you, you like the painting. Does it remind you of some type of scenery? You know, it's those types of questions that you ask, but this is where people screw up. And I'm going to tell you, they become an interrogator because they know they have to get somebody's baseline. So it's like they have this checklist. Okay. Question number one, check. And question number two, okay, I got that answer. No, 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 no. You can't do that because people are going to be like, the hell are you and why are you asking me all these questions it has to be an ebb and flow of conversation so if you're going to ask a question you have to be prepared to share answers as well so if you ask somebody about a favorite vacation then realize that you're going to answer the same question why because that helps develop rapport that helps develop a relationship and it helps someone relax so it can't be an interrogation where you ask all the questions and they're doing all the answering. You have to answer as well. That's what a conversation is about. I like that. I really do. Because like I said before, communication is big for me and I really do enjoy it. And there have been times where I'll ask a question and I'm like, oh, crap, because I realize now I have to answer that question as That's well right. if they mm-hmm. throw it back at me, because essentially like I'm the one that put it out there. So I think That's, that's right. really important. So let me ask, as you are like having this back and forth, right? You're building a rapport and then you're getting that person to the place where essentially they can now open up. They've built a baseline. We're just beginning to look now for any sort of solid deviation and it's purely, it's body language. Like, is it in the face? Is it in the oh, arms? Is it like, where it's everywhere. We, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's from head to toe. What happens a lot of times is we really look at people in their face, right? Mm-hmm. And so people really try to hide how they're feeling. Like the example I said, when you ask somebody, how's it going? And they're like, fine. Okay. <laughs> so that's just one example. But when somebody doesn't want you to know that they're angry, they'll try to blow it off. They'll try to give you a fake smile or change the conversation, right? They'll, they'll try to hide how they're really feeling. But what happens is that your body will leak that tension. Your body will really leak how you're feeling. So you might not be very convincing in trying to hide that you're angry or sad or disgusted or even happy. Some people don't want other people to know that they're happy about something. You know, it could be something, you know, uh, sinister, like you're happy that someone lost their job. I mean, I know that's crazy, but not everything is on the positive side, right? So you try to disguise that happiness as someone's telling you that they lost their job because it makes, perhaps, perhaps it makes you feel better of what's going on in, in your life. So, um, so it's, it's really paying attention to what's happening in the face. People will try to stifle how they're feeling, but then also you have so much information when you're talking about the shoulders all the way to your feet. I mean, you think about shoulders, you know, something that I can show you while we're on this virtual zoom is shoulders, right? So there's a difference if my shoulders are relaxed versus if they're tensed up or if I'm swaying side to side as I'm talking versus if I'm standing still or playing with my fingers, you know, if I'm... You can't see them, but you can hear, you know, my fingers. 
So you, you're paying attention to different body parts and you're looking through your peripheral vision and just seeing what's going on. And as much as body language is revealing, words are important also. A lot of times, as we know, people will change what they're saying. They will try to hide information. A lot of the truth, or a lot of lies are anchored in the truth. Let me repeat that. A lot of lies are anchored in the truth. It's rare that someone will give you a complete fabrication of something because it's gonna be so hard for them to rem remember. If they're never going to see you again, you meet them, I don't know, in a foreign country somewhere and you're never gonna see them again, you might give them a cockamamie story that you're never gonna to have to remember. But more than likely, you wanna give them bit bits of truth because you want to remember what in the world you talked about because you don't want to get busted. Most liars tell lies because they don't want to get busted. They want to hide the truth. They want to hide something. So that's why a lot of lies are anchored in the truth. So pay attention to what somebody says. Does it make sense? If they're, I'll give you a really good hint. If somebody's talking about something that happened in the past, then those verbs need to be past tense. So if they're talking about an event that happened six years ago, but they're using present tense, you need to question yourself and say, why? If this, some, if this happened, they took this vacation six years ago, then why are they talking in the present tense? That means they're creating it in the moment. It didn't wow. actually happen six years ago. So that's a hint of how you're listening to words to get a sense of veracity. That's cool. I know people are now going to be listening and analyzing every conversation they have. Like, hmm. Like, right. I noticed that you are you brought that to the present tense. And that's right. really cool. So essentially, we're listening for just, if I'm hearing this correctly, we're listening as they're saying the words, right? We're listening mm -hmm. for the tense that they're using, right? We're listening yes. to see if it sounds like they're making something up. And then their body will also... I guess it will begin to portray thought, right? Because I think that's the whole idea yes. when we're establishing the baseline, when we connect with people, we see when something's organically flowing without mm -hmm. any pressure or resistance. And I imagine that when someone begins to fabricate something, right? Fabricate a lie to interject where the truth would be, they, mm -hmm. we see like a break in the chain. We see like some sort of uh, disruption, if you would. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So you listen to more than just the verb tense. Let's say, um, do they accept responsibility for what happened? So you're like, well, wait a second, Blanca, what does that mean? That sounds a little you know, cryptic. Okay, let's say they're talking about their day. Are they using the personal pronoun I? That's how you accept responsibility for something. Are they committed to what they're saying? I woke up, I took a shower, I went to the store, I went to work out, whatever that they're saying. Does it get to the point where they're like, yep, woke up, took a shower, walked out the door. Okay, sounds good, but what are you missing? You want to hear the I or the we, right? You, you wanna be able to, because it's very easy to drop off that personal pronoun. So what they're telling you can be factual, but you don't know who it's factual for because they're not saying, "Wow, I did it. That's if they start talking I, 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 then they introduce the pronoun we, but they never introduced who the other person is. That should be a question mark for you and go, okay, wait, 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 whoa, pump the brakes. You start <laughs> off as you, then where did this other person come in or people and who are they? It should be, I got up, I went to work out and then I met, I don't know, Bob, Shirley and John at the market. Okay, 
And then after that introduction of the new people, then you can say, we went, we did. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. That's really cool because now it makes me wonder and question like, you know, how are you training yourself to be able to catch on to all this? Because it's like, it's, it would be a lot for you to pay attention to at first. So is it there is. a way that you actually train yourself to get faster at kind of catching on to these uh, like little subtleties of conversation? Yes. And you really just have to be cognizant about it. Normally what happens is you get a sense. Well, let me back up. First, the reason a lot of us get schooled and fooled is because once we do our, whatever our assessment is, whatever your assessment is that you did, you determine that you can trust this person, you have them in this trust circle. And because you already vetted them once, you give them a free pass for life. Mm. Now listen to what I'm saying. You give them a free pass for life. You vetted them once. This is where you end up in a lot of trouble. Just because you are the way you are, doesn't mean everybody else is the way you are. Meaning, so if you pass somebody's trust test and they vetted you and you know that they're gonna be able to trust you for life, you cannot assume that the reverse is gonna happen. Now, I'm not saying this for everyone to be panic and go, oh my gosh, well, I trusted this person and this person and now I don't know if I can trust them forever, no. Waiting to see if they give you reason not to. Is there something in their behavior, in their actions, in their words that give you pause or make you question? And you cannot dismiss, well, I already vetted them. We've been friends for 50 years. Okay, well, let's go to some horror stories about pet friends who have been friends for 50 years and what's happened after that 50 year mark, okay? So my point is when you get a suspicion, you can investigate it. Don't automatically assume that it's something bad but you should pay attention to it because that's how that's how you make sure that the relationship is the way you want it to be, that it's trustworthy and that you're still safe. Because if you think about how predators groom innocent people, mm. what do they do? They come across as trustworthy. They come across as your friend. They come across as they got your back. They come across that they're better for you than anybody else in your life. And you have to believe them because they're gonna do X, Y, and Z for you. And as soon as that victim, potential victim gives them their trust, what happens? It is a switch and bait. Yeah. Wow. So you just have to be very cautious. This doesn't mean for everyone to be distrustful of other people, but you really need to be smart. You have to have people skills. This is how you protect yourself. This is how you protect your family. You know, you think about parents who are aging. And as we know, vulnerable populations seem to be victimized the most first. Right. So you have the elderly who are physically not as strong, who sometimes they have memory issues as they get older and they're easily persuadable, just like with children. Children don't have life experience yet, so they depend on solid people. They depend on their parents or their grandparents or their aunt and uncles who they can really trust are going to have their back. So that's why parents are like, be careful. You don't want to talk to somebody that the family doesn't know, you know, stranger danger. Mm -hmm. Right. So depending on how a parent were to teach stranger danger to their child. So it's, it's the populations that tend to, to have more vulnerabilities are the ones who are targeted first. So it's no different with yourself. So that's why you have to stay on top of it. And if something, we all have this gut feeling, this sixth sense that something isn't quite right. And nine times out of 10, so many people push it aside because, oh, what if I'm wrong? Okay, you're wrong. This is not a police investigation. A police investigation, you have to know. You have to have concrete evidence, right? Because we don't want to put somebody in jail who's innocent. 
right? You don't want to convict somebody unless you absolutely know that they've done whatever the crime is. But when it comes to issues of the heart or protecting your family, and if you're not exactly sure, it's okay. It's not a criminal case. And if you get it wrong because you're trying to protect your family, that's okay. So I'm not saying sabotage relationships. I'm saying this because you don't have to have 100% proof to be a little skeptical or to ask questions. Right. You know, I really like that. And I appreciate that because I think you're, you're giving people permission to trust yes. that feeling, yes. right? Because you could build that trust, like you're saying, but then if you get that gut check, right, you get that feeling, mm -hmm. it's like, oh, something feels off. I think so many of us are taught, you know, we're being told, oh, you're paranoid. Oh, yes. don't worry. Oh, it's not that big a deal. But if it's coming up, I think we have to acknowledge that feeling is real, right? That feeling yeah. there's something to it and it is okay to investigate it, you know? So I think in our society, that's something I know I've seen a lot. I've been told a lot like, oh, no, like, man, you're crazy. Don't even worry about that. Like you're, you're overthinking this, right? But like, it wasn't a thought process. It was a feeling, you know? So how can you overfeel mm -hmm. something? And you saying like, we have that sense you know, so would you say that sense is something that's important and valuable to listen to? Or are there times where we should just completely ignore that? That's a great question. And the answer is you should always pay attention to it. We have it for a reason. Think about it. That's how we know that we don't need to touch a hot stove. We, <laughs> when there's traffic coming both ways, right? You get that sense. They're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't do this. Or food. Maybe it's a new food. You're like, okay, instead of shoveling it in, let me just try just a little bit to make sure I like it. It's no different than, than animals. Like in the wild, what do they do? They can be very cautious to make sure that they're right because they're not sure. They get the sense. We had the sixth sense as protection. It's the way innately and evolutionarily that we protect ourselves. We should not discard it. What happens is, is that if you've been wrong in the past and people are like, oh, you've been wrong the past six times. What makes you think the seventh time you're going to be right? Okay. You know what I say? You need to shut everybody else out. It's your life. At the end of the day, the decisions that you make are going to impact you only, not them. So you might want to listen to what somebody says, but you still need to go with what you think is right. So you have to assess evidence, if you will, like what's out there. And particularly people who, who've been victimized before or they've had their heart broken. So victimized doesn't necessarily mean that they've been robbed or some criminal event. It could be that someone's a friend has betrayed your trust or a past lover has betrayed your trust or whatever. And they're scared to put their heart back out there. So like, oh, that's it. I'm not going to trust anymore. Forget relationships. Don't need them. Don't want them. I'll be fine by myself. Well, we're not made to be by ourselves because this is what I always say. If we were made to be by ourselves, we wouldn't need a partner to procreate. You know what I mean? That's just, okay, we're not talking about technology here. I'm just talking about the old traditional way before technology was invented, right? So we, um, we're social people. So having said all that, you should pay attention to that sixth sense. It's an alarm bell. It lets you know, sometimes it's right and sometimes it's wrong. But just because it's been wrong does not mean you should throw it away and ignore it because you just never know that one time when it can be really right. So you have to train yourself to figure it out when you should pay attention and when you shouldn't. Right, I mean, you really, like you said, like that training yourself to figure it out, almost listening to it and learning how to decipher 
because exactly. it might be saying something to you and you might say, well, it was wrong last time. Well, was it wrong or was your translation of what it was communicating wrong? Bingo. Well so. said. I love what you just said, Marlon. Love what you just said. <laughs> so, you know, I actually have a question for you and I think you might be the perfect person to answer this because right. there's a theory I came up with and okay. I'm sure someone else had actually written this down, but it was just one of those days the epiphany popped into my head. I was like, oh, I think this might be the case, right? And we see it in relationships, right? So there are situations yes. where a couple's in a relationship and one person in the partnership is being unfaithful, right? Mm -hmm. Now the partner has this weird sensation, a weird feeling, like something is amiss. However, they have zero proof, no evidence at all. They cannot tell you why they're feeling something's up. They just do not know. So then when they confront the partner, the partner says, hey, nothing's happening. You're crazy. I told you nothing's happening. I'm faithful, this, that, and the third. And they begin to now, I guess, work their logical mind against like their intuitive mind. And mm -hmm. they tell their intuitive mind, hey, stop being crazy. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. And they learn to now discredit that feeling, right? And now they don't longer trust their gut and lo and behold we know from this situation as outsiders looking in the feeling is right right so they're picking mm -hmm. up on something they just don't know what it is exactly beautifully said they're picking up on something they don't know what it is a lot of times it starts off with the behavior change the dynamic the relationship between the two partners has changed one isn't as into the other one maybe you're not going i'm going to make stuff up maybe you're not going um to the outdoor market every saturday morning because now one partner, ah, you know, I'm going to go to the gym or I'm just going to hang out at home. So it's those tiny little mm, turnoffs, right? They're turning you off, that they're not engaging with you. You're trying to figure out well, what's happened. Why is it changed? Why don't they want to spend time? If this is what we used to do, why is it changing? And particularly if your partner doesn't give you a reasonable explanation, they're just like, don't want to go deal with it. You know, like, wait, what, where did that come from? Right. And then when you started noticing more or when they do go, they have an attitude and they, they're like, whatever. Do you like these blueberries? Don't they look fresh? Whatever. Right. So you try to engage with them and they blow you off. So those changes start adding up and we, our minds are always trying to make meaning of our world. So you're trying to figure out what could be changing between my partner and me, right? You know, do I smell? Uh, you know, am I not brushing my teeth? Does my hair look a mess? And like, what's happened? And if you if you come to your mind and go, okay, from my perspective, everything seems to be the way it's always been. I'm still just as engaging. I'm still doing whatever it is that you do in your relationship. Then you're like, well, what could it be for my partner? Could they not be interested? Could there be something else? Maybe, but it could also be maybe they're depressed. Maybe they're anxious. Maybe they have a worry on their mind that they don't want to share with you, not because they don't trust you, but because they don't want to worry you. Maybe there's some financial problems. Maybe they're thinking about this isn't the right relationship for me. Maybe they're deciding, hmm, maybe is it, is it better for, for the family to move or, or maybe I want to move on my own. I mean, so there are a million and one things that someone could be thinking that could be impacting their behavior, but you do want to pay attention to it. Now, if you're catching him in lies, because cheating and lying go hand in hand, you really can't do, you really can't cheat without lying, right? Because you're not going to say, yeah, I'm going to be with my, with my other tonight, right? <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. That's not going to go very well. So there's lying. That's part of the, the cheating. So when you start catching him in lies and lies, 
you can't discount it because that is evidence. And then if they start treating you differently, they're not treating you with respect, they're talking ugly to you, or they're yelling to you, or they're starting to call you names, or they're dismissive, or you know, someone takes a pot shot at you and they start laughing, you know, they just don't have your back. That tells you something. But this is when I coach people, I tell them this, and this is what I was talking about earlier. This isn't a, an investigative case. You do not have to have 100% proof that your partner is cheating on you. If they're treating you disrespectfully and not holding you in high regard and are not valuing you, why the hell do you want to stay with them? You don't need to know for sure that they're cheating on you. You know the relationship has changed enough where you're worried, where you're concerned, where you're crying, where you're upset. You don't know which way is up. You want it to change, but they're not willing to change it. Then that's where you need to take control of your life. And look, I get it when people are sharing finances, they're sharing homes, they're sharing children, they're sharing pets. I understand, but at some point you have to think of yourself because the choices you make today impact your tomorrow. Absolutely. And unless you want the next 50 years, 70 years, whatever many years of your life left to be miserable, then you have to find a way to make yourself happy. And sometimes making the most heart-wrenching decision is going to lead to your ultimate happiness. So what happens is we get comfortable with the person, so comfortable. We know the devil in our house. We don't know the devil outside our house. And people will rationalize it. Hey, at least I know what kind of person this is. I don't know what's out there. Yeah, but you also don't know what good is waiting for you. Life is a risk, period. Whether in professional, you know, entrepreneurism, whatever it is you're doing, life is a risk. And you got it. You got to seize it. But you have to take calculated risk. I don't want anyone to think, oh, a woman said to take a risk. No, I'm saying you have to make a calculated risk. You all, we all do. Whether you're, even like you're in high school, what kind of math class you're going to take, right? To what kind of first job you're going to have, to what kind of partner you're going to select, or what do you have neighborhood you're going to live in, or what car you're going to buy? You don't know until you try it. It's true. No decision is per permanent. People like to pretend. They tell themselves that decisions are permanent, but they're not. I mean, before it used to be death and taxes are permanent, but even now with death, because of technology, there's ways, you know, you defibrillators to get the heart beating again. So there's certain things that can bring someone back to life, but there are solutions to many problems out there. Sometimes it's the difficult choices you have to make. And that's what people shy away from because they're scared. I totally agree. You know, it's uh, the idea or the concept of sacrificing good so you can get great. Yeah. And, yes. you know, like essentially like what we're learning here is, you know, we can use these skills to essentially see what negative relationships we're in, what negative communication patterns we have. And as we begin to see all this, I imagine that you've also seen the good, right? So what's it look like on the other side of the spectrum? What does it look like when people are able to utilize the skills of communication and body language to create, I guess, harmonious relationships, I would say, or, you know, what's, you know, what's a picture that someone can have in their mind of what they can create? That is a fantastic question. And I'm so happy that you asked it because I don't get asked that question enough. So the way you can use body language is to understand your partner, to understand the other person, right? So are they relaxed when you're around or do they push away? Do they move away? So if they're relaxed or you come by and you touch their shoulder and they smile or you give them a wink and then they move a little closer to you, this is a way that you can make deposits in an emotional bank account positive deposits where it helps build that bond stronger. It makes you tighter and closer. So even non-verbally, how you, even if you say something, you give somebody a compliment, 
you can see it in their body language from their facial expression to if they lean in, if they wink, what is it, they, what is it that they do to let you know that they appreciate it? And then even when you have a serious conversation, let's say your partner comes home and they're really stressed or they're upset and a contract didn't go through. So they're really bummed. You know, how is it that you're going to approach them with your own body language? And I'm going to give you a couple of tips here. So when people are really stressed out, a lot of times you want to make them feel better, but it's also in how your body language is. So when you're paying attention to someone, are you angling towards them? Are you leaning in when they're talking? Touch is an amazing, amazing way to calm somebody down because when you touch somebody, it helps release endorphins and oxytocin, which are bonding. Oh, oxytocin is a bonding hormone. It makes you feel closer and connected to somebody. Touch is so important. And I'm talking about a non-sexual, non-romantic touch. You can touch somebody's hand. You can caress somebody's cheek. You can touch somebody's shoulder. You can even you know, touch their back as they're talking. It lets them know that you are really interested in them and their emotional state, right? And what they're saying, that you're reaching out. And that really makes an impact. Smiling is important. Smiling gets so underrated the power of a smile. If you had a choice between somebody who is smiling at you and someone who is scowling at you, who do you think you're going to walk to? Mm -hmm. You're walking to the person who, exactly, every single time you're walking to the person that is smiling. So it's, it's just the small little nuances in your nonverbal behavior that can really make an impact on your partner. So even if we take it from a personal relationship to a professional relationship, so we're gonna dismiss the touch, no touch in a professional relationship, um, but even at work where you're working on a project with somebody, but just even lending them your ear and you can show that by you can tilt your head a little bit and you're giving them your, your ear, you're letting them know that you're paying attention, that you're interested. Are you looking at them or are you looking at something? Uh-huh, I got it. Yeah, sure. Uh-huh. No, that's a disconnect right there. But when you give them that, that eye contact or you lean in just a little bit, and even asking thoughtful questions to what they're saying really makes an impact. Paraphrasing what you've heard, right? And then also commenting on emotions. A lot of times people will calm down and feel like you really get them if you can identify the underlying emotion in what they're saying. Someone could just be telling you, let's go back to that contract that didn't go through the example that I used earlier. And when you say, I can see how important that contract was. I can see why you're stressed because it sounds like it means X, Y, and Z. So just validating how they feel can really go a long way. Wow, that is spot on. I mean, people after listening to this, they should be able to go and communicate with everybody in their life at such a higher level. And, you know, something that came up for me as you were talking just now made me mm -hmm. think, are there moments where a people uh, people should feel like they are suppressed, right? They can't say what they want to communicate. You know, I almost wonder like in a good open relationship, you should be able to, you should feel comfortable enough to express. Maybe it's a, a day where they, you see your partner's tired, right? Okay, I'll let you go to sleep. But it yes. should never feel like I can't say something to you. Or maybe is that just my opinion? Or is that no. something of good communication? It's great communication. When you feel like you have to walk on eggshells because you don't know what to say because you don't know how your partner is gonna react, come on. That is going to skyrocket your anxiety and your depression. 
you're, and then it's going to piss you off because then you're going to start thinking, why the hell can I just not talk to you without worrying about what I have to say? Now, I'm not talking about being disrespectful, okay? I'm talking about you should be able to express yourself with having to word to, to think about if I don't use this tone of voice or these certain words, then there's gonna be an explosion, come on. No, you should be able to talk freely as long as it's respectfully. Right. And your partner should accept it instead of, I can't believe you just said that. Okay, what did I say exactly? You know, there, there are some people that if you, they have this mindset that if you're going to say anything that could potentially hurt their feelings, shut up. They don't want you to talk. Come on. Again, if you're coming from a respectful place, then you should say, you know, when you do X, Y, and Z, it makes me feel one, two, three. That's okay. You should. And, and look, life isn't always sunshine and roses. We know that. Look what has happened <laughs> almost the past year from 2020 that's extending into January of 2021 with the pandemic and the fallout and the social injustice and the economic instability and people not having jobs and losing health care and the list goes on and on. You talk about stress. So you have to be able to be gracious to somebody and let people talk respectfully and you're going to hear that word over and over and over. I, I, I do believe that everybody has to learn to talk in a respectful manner because when you talk in a respectful manner it increases communication it increases understanding and compassion and someone is going to be more willing to listen and you're more than likely going to be able to solve situations together and if you're a couple it's going to make you stronger because then you're together you're not adversaries wow i like that so i have a question for you and i think this might help you know, really spark a conversation for a lot of individuals. There are people mm -hmm. out there that are highly intelligent and very well-spoken, and they will feel that they are excellent communicators. However, they don't quite produce the results in conversations with people that they want to produce that result with, right? It might be a significant other. It might be somebody that they work with, a business partner or an employer or a boss. You know, right. what would you say you see as a common trend with these sort of individuals? So they're intelligent, well-spoken, but they're saying the communication is all busted and broken. Would you say that there's a certain trait that you see with these individuals that you're like, oh, well, you're missing this? That's a great question. I'm not sure it's a certain trait, but when you are, when you consider yourself a good communicator, but it's missing the mark, think about your, um, think about what? Think about the impact of your message. Watch them. What are their facial expressions? How are they responding? That lets you know. You might feel that you're great at communicating, but it's the impact of that communication on the other person mm. that you have to monitor because it isn't only about you. Think about it. Um, I'll bring it close to home. I'll bring it for uh, parents who have more than one child. Children are raised by the same parents in the same household, except they grow up to be two different people. And then you're like, well, why is it that you do X, Y, and Z with my brother or my sister, but not with me? Well, and I'm talking about communication. It's because it depends on their personality. It depends on their temperament. You know, one needs to be more soft-spoken to because loud noises bother them and you don't need to elevate your voice. But then you have another child that the only way that seems to get them to do anything is when you tweak up your voice just a notch. I'm not talking about yelling and screaming your head off. I'm just talking about you elevate that octave just a little bit and that seems to grab their attention. 
there's one that really wants to, one child that really wants to talk in big words or GRE words or whatever, SAT words, right? Because that's just how they communicate. So with that child, you're going to talk more formally or more technical is probably the better word, more technical with some with your other kid who's just more a little more informal and could, could care less about the technicalities. So you're adapting to the person that makes effective communication and they adapt back. It's like not that. a dictatorship. <laughs> no, not at all. And you know, I like that because, you know, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're essentially saying that you have to be willing to change your approach because I think Absolutely. a lot of people might feel that, hey, I'm communicating super well. Like it makes perfect sense. It's super, it's logical. It's cohesive. Mm -hmm. How are they not getting this? Well, it's not a matter of what you're saying. It's a matter of how they're receiving it. And ultimately, exactly. if they're not receiving it properly, the communication is still hitting the mark, missing the mark, like you're saying. So mm -hmm. really being able to change the approach. You know, I think that's why we see uh, teachers make really excellent communicators. And uh, especially when they even if they transfer into like sales positions, we see that teachers uh, mm -hmm. usually excel at sales positions because they know how to speak and change the approach for the client. That's new. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah. I picked that up um, just kind of through Clubhouse actually being inside there mm. and uh, just doing some reading. I was like, oh, wow, this this actually makes a lot of sense. And it, you know, spoke to my own personal experience where I came from coaching kids. So I wasn't a teacher in a school mm -hmm. sense, but I was a teacher through sport. And I realized yeah. very quickly that I knew how to do things one way. And throughout all the students I had, I had to keep changing my approach. I had to keep figuring out a different way to say the exact same thing. And it mm. made me think, oh, wow, people are so different and everyone needs to be communicated to in their language. So being able to read and understand what is what the heck is their language? Like, I don't know what their language right. is until I take a minute to stop and actively listen, right? And yes. you know, including the body language, that was you know, somewhat secondary. And like, I realized, okay, that's important as well to just see, cause you can tell when you're talking to someone and they're just like, they're not, they're not listening. I talked to a little kid, his body or her body, they can't lie to me. I know if you're paying attention or if you're not, because your body will respond and it will be alert and be present in that moment. So that's really, it's really interesting. So let me ask you, do you ever find people that, you know, almost, can't read and understand and translate and digest body language you know like it's almost mm -hmm. like you know they're colorblind to body language yes yes that's a good way of putting it yes that does happen and those are people who can really benefit from understanding um, and just training in body language and coaching from body language because nonverbal communication is a big portion of how we communicate Think about it. Someone may not be talking, but they're giving you information when they're like, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? You hear that parallel language. So even though they're not saying anything from their gestures to their facial expressions to what they're doing with that voice, parallel language is what we call it. It's communicating something with you, right? So let's say you, you want to, I don't know, you're going to tell your brother something and he looks at you and you're like, Right? You don't have to say anything, but you cut them the look and you're like, and you shake your head really fast. People get it. So it is really important. There are some communication disorders. For example, people who have autism, it's more difficult for them to read nonverbal communication. It can be taught and some learn it faster than others, depending on the severity. 
of um, the communication disorder that they have. But so there are some people who just need to be trained in it. And there are just some people who don't have a type of um, communication disorder that are just not as well versed in it. Because a lot of times people don't realize the importance. They use it, but they don't understand the importance of mm -hmm. using it. So like the ums, like you just did, someone would not, <laughs> probably not even think about, oh yeah, that's nonverbal communication. They wouldn't, they just use it. So it's just like uh, just letting people know about it and how it can really be impact, impactful. And, I, and if you will grace me with this just a second, earlier you said what might get in the way of people who feel like they're really good communicators. What could impede that? It, ego. ego. Wow. I'm such and such, I'm such and such title. I've been such and such working in this field for such and such amount of time. I've worked with such and such number of people and nobody seems to have a problem except you. Ego can get in the way. Wow. You know, when you say that to me, it makes me think, I'm thinking of a person where they're almost acting a certain way because, or communicating a certain way because they believe this is how it should be, right? And they're just completely discrediting the, the reality of the current situation, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're almost, you know, the miscommunication is happening because, hey, well, this is what's happening in this reality between you and I, but in your mind, you have this picture, right? Mm -hmm. And this picture isn't matching up. So there's, that's really interesting. Wow, like, you're, I'm gonna have to like sit and think on that because that's really cool. You just Good. gave me a, a lot to think about there. No, but I did want to ask you one more question, actually, along sure. this topic, you know, because we've been talking about reading other people's body language. And now, as far as like, as someone's beginning to understand this, what are things they could think about? Like, all right, well, what am I communicating outwardly with my body language? Like, how's my body language speaking right now? Is that something that you start to become aware of as you're reading others? You know, do you find that there is a mismatch, right? As, am I verbally speaking something, but then my body language is saying something entirely different that I don't want it to be saying? And then which one am I actually trying to communicate? Such a great point you bring up. You brought, you have brought up so many great <laughs> questions and I thank you so much. Um, so the two, there's two parts to this. One, when there's a mismatch in what somebody's saying and what they're showing in their body language, and this goes back to detecting if someone's lying to you or withholding information, people are going to believe what you show versus what you say. Mm. So think about that again. People are going to believe what your body language shows versus what you say because what? People lie and they use their mouth to lie, right? <laughs> Words that come out may not be truthful. They might be withholding information, changing information, deleting information, whatever it is that they're doing. So people will believe your body language more than your words. So that is something to keep in mind. Um, and I lost my train of thought. What was the second part of what you said? Or go back and ask me your question again, because I got sidetracked. Right. So essentially, you know, like, is it possible that I'm trying to communicate something and I'm speaking verbally and my body language is essentially communicating something else, right? Is it, mm -hmm. which part of me is, I guess, truthful, right? Is my, I, I don't even want to say like, is one stronger than the other, but like, is my body communicating something that my words aren't and my body is more correct or, you know, like, yes. does that happen? It does happen. Absolutely. So it's like, if you're showing body language, that indicates that you're um, that you're what that you're nervous. 
but someone could interpret that nervousness is that you're not a confident person. And that's sabotaging your message. So that's why it's very important to monitor your own body language. What are the vibes that you're putting out? What is somebody picking up? What is it that you're showing? Because it's natural to get nervous, right? But how are you expressing that nervousness? Someone can interpret as you're just not a confident person or you have no idea what you're really saying. And also, what are your own facial expressions sending? What messages are you sending? Are you showing somebody that you're interested or are you giving them the impression that you could really care less that they're even talking to you? So just notice how I move my body just, just by a couple degrees mm -hmm. and I'm sending you different messages. That's, That's why it's so important to monitor yourself. So I tell my clients this a lot, particularly those who I help to become better on video, record yourself. A lot of people are like, no way, don't like the way I look, don't like the way I sound. Uh-uh. Well, there's a reason you do this. One, you do want to know how you project yourself on camera, on video. That is really important because there is a receiver. Someone's going to be watching. So whether it's on a virtual call like this, or whether you're actually recording yourself because you're trying to promote your product, your services, your company, establish your brand online, you do have to get on video. So what messages do you think you're really coming across confidently, but yet your shoulders are up? What is it that you're doing? Does your voice really sound strong or is there a lisp at the end, you know, where it comes up and it sounds like you're not making a statement. You actually sound like you're not sure of what you're saying. Those are the types of things to pay attention to because impressions matter. Wow. So what I really like about that is the fact that you're actually teaching people this can be trained, right? You're not just oh gosh, learning yes. about this for the heck of it. It's mm -hmm. something that you can actively work at making better, improving on. And ultimately, it sounds like you can teach your body to communicate for you non-verbally so it doesn't just happen haphazardly. Right? You can actually be in control of the message just as much as your spoken word, which is really cool. So in a sense, if you wanted to, you know, speak confidently, you can teach your body to speak. I mean, that's what I'm understanding that you yes. can actually speak, teach your body to speak confidently for you and you can Absolutely. Teach it to be open for you and you can teach it to say all these other things that now work in conjunction with your spoken word to help you move forward. That's really amazing. I'm, I'm grateful that you're out there teaching this to people because it's, well, it's game changing. It's life changing. It is. It is game changing. And I, I like how you worded that. It is game changing in ways that people don't even realize. That it's, is... not all, it's not always about what you say. I mean, you've heard this ever since we were little. It's also how you say it. Mm. And part of how you say it is that nonverbal communication. It is your body language, your facial expressions, the orientation of your body, what's happening with your feet, your hips, your shoulders, your hands, everything. It all sends an impression of you. And are you sending the best impression? Look, whether we like it or not, people are judgmental and people are going to be judgmental to the end of time. It's a fact. So why not use body language to have an unfair advantage? Why not? It's like, if you're going to present to a client, you're going to be prepared, right? It's true. If you, if you want a better shot at closing the deal, you want to be prepared. You want to come across confidently. It's not only that you know your sales script or you know your product or your service. 
but it's how you're presenting yourself. It's how engaging you are. What are you doing non-verbally that's helping develop rapport, establish trust? What are you doing to solidify that relationship besides what you're saying? And body language can be, depending on the research study, but roughly around 60, 65% of communication. Wow. It's a highlighter to what you're saying. It underscores what you're saying. So use it to your advantage. And voila, that's where I come in. <laughs> that's awesome. That's big. So, you know, I do want to be super respectful of your time because you've already dropped so much knowledge here today. So I have two questions that I like to ask every guest at the end of the show. And we're sure. rolling up there. So I'm curious to know, because I'm big into reading, right? Mm -hmm. I love reading. You know, have you read books that, and it doesn't even have to be body language, but books that were just complete paradigm shifts for you. After you opened up this book, you were just, your mind never went back to being the same. Whoa. Hmm. Now you put me on the spot and I have to think. <laughs> A book. I think for me, it's probably better said that I get snippets of different books like different principles or different philosophies. Like for example, Mel Robbins, 54321. So this, when instead of procrastinating because you have to force yourself to do something that you don't want. So when you think of it, you count down 54321 and do it. Wow. Yeah, so that is really powerful. You know, Grant Cardone has be obsessed or be average. That's, that's a powerful message for people. You have to do more than what you think you need to do in order to be successful. So for me, I think it's, 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 it's the highlights of different books more so than like one book in particular, but about, about mindset and how to take action. You can have a ton of great thoughts in your mind, <laughs> but a thought in and of itself does not change the world. It is the action behind those thoughts that you take that change the world, that make an impact that get yourself known. Like that's I, huge. I and I'm gonna do, that. Oh, thank you. Oh, I'm gonna do a little self plug. I have, I just wrote an ebook. It's called Emotions Behind the Mask. So it is a, a guidebook and it's talking about what you can read behind a mask. So my hands are gonna be my mask right now. What can you see? You can see my eyes, mm -hmm. my eyebrows and my forehead. So how is it that you can read facial expressions and what do they tell you? Now that we have the federal mask mandate and we're gonna be doing more business, if you're gonna see somebody face to face, it's gonna be at a distance and with mask on, use it to your advantage. What is it that you're really seeing? Because if you think about it, you're not seeing the cheeks, the mouth, the lips, the chin, the jaw. So what is it that can you see? What is it that you can see? What is it that you can read? And how do you use that to your advantage? Because you want to be able to establish rapport, develop trust, and you want to read people accurately. So it's a new ebook. It is a guidebook essentially and have a cheat sheet at the end of it. Ooh. So that way it's a quick reference. So you know the most common expressions. And then I talk a little bit about body language in it. So nice. where can they find ebook, it? ebook.blancacob.com. Ebook.blancacob.com. So e That's going to be in the description below. So you guys aren't even going to have to do any work. You're going to be able to click one button and get right there. Mm -hmm. So I have a second question for you. Yep. Ask. And this one is my all-time favorite. So you might mm -hmm. want to take a second to think about it as I ask it. <laughs> okay. And let's imagine tomorrow morning you wake up and you are a completely blank slate. You don't remember mm -hmm. anything. Mm -hmm. I'm saying you 
get up, you look around, you know, you're in a safe space, so you're not worried, right? Okay. But there is no recollection of your friends, families, relationships, work experience. You don't remember anything you've learned about body language, any of the books you've read. It's all mm -hmm. gone, right? So again, you're not freaking out. You know, you know you're right. safe, but nothing is there. However, there is one little piece of like wisdom or one little knowledge bomb in your mind. And for whatever reason, you accept it as truth. You're like, okay. And you just run with it. Like you just take it and you begin the rest of your life with this one seed. What would you want that seed of knowledge to be? Survival. Hmm. Survival. Because with that mindset, no matter if I remember nothing, but I have that one seed of survival, that's going to work in every aspect. How I'm going to eat, where I'm going to live, or how am I going to get dressed, um, where I'm going to work. It's survival because that, that impetus of survival is going to make me explore, try different things and see what is successful. So that's, that would be my answer, survival. There we go. Yeah, I believe from there, like everything would begin to grow and blossom again for you. That is so awesome. Well, Blanca, seriously, you have just been like, I know people are going to go back and listen to this episode over and over and over again, so. you know, and I'm glad that they're going to have that. But for people that want to be able to follow you in real time mm. and figure yeah. out what you're doing and maybe even like jump in and work with you, where can they find oh, yeah. you? Pretty much any social media platform at Blanca Cobb. So Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, um, at Blanca Cobb. I think on YouTube, it's at Blanca Cobb, body language expert. And I'm on Clubhouse at Blanca Cobb. Yes, you are. <laughs> that is where yeah, I, I was just hosting it. before I jumped up on, on this with you. So hosting a room. So yes, please uh, connect with me. Send me an email at Blanca at Blanca Cobb. So Blanca at Blanca Cobb.com. Awesome. So again, I'm going to have all of that in the description below. People will be able to find you super easily. I highly recommend if you have not found Blanca on Clubhouse yet, go find her. That's where I first found her. And I was just captivated. I was just like, oh my gosh, like you have so much to share with the world. We need to get you on a platform everywhere, you know, and you've already been on TV. So plenty of people have already seen and heard from you, but it was my first time discovering you. So I knew my audience needed to listen to you as well. Well, thank you so much. That makes me feel so good. <laughs> well, Blanca, I really appreciate you coming on today. You have been an absolute treat. I learned a lot. I'm glad we got to have this conversation. You are clearly an expert in this field and I appreciate you for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. It was an honor. And anytime, I'm happy to come back and chat some more. <laughs> awesome. Okay, guys, so I really hope you enjoyed that interview. Once again, I ask that if you receive any value at all, I mean anything, if one thing stood out to you, leave a comment below. Let people know what that thing was. Let us know what it was. We do read all of the comments and absolutely share this with a friend. That is how we help each other, okay? The best thing you can do is pass on knowledge and information that's helping you grow. Send that out to your friends. Help them grow. Build your network and build your power team. Let's all get this together. So I want you guys to click that share button, click that like button, subscribe, make sure you're here for the next episode. And remember that the greatness is already inside of you.